Primarily today, uh, we will be in the book of Revelation. Now again, the book of Revelation, uh, it's, it's really, uh, uh, as all the books of the Bible, God's Word, unerring, uh, and it is the last book of the Bible. So if you keep turning to the right, you will get to Revelation all the way to the end. The last book of the New Testament, the Revelation. And again, before we do start in our time together in God's Word, I will just open up in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Lord, again, thank you for this time that you've allowed us to be here today. I pray that you would use my feeble tongue and my feeble mind, Lord, and that your words would be uh, spoken through me, Lord, and not me at all. So again, we give this time to you, and this, uh, again, this hour over to you in your name. Amen. All right, the book of Revelation. Uh, again, this will be part one uh, of uh, what we're looking at today. God's judgments we will see and God's mercies uh, in the book of Revelation. And we see this throughout, really, when we look at the whole Bible as a whole, you'll see God's judgments that have been seen and God's mercies that are seen. But primarily, today and next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be looking at the book of Revelation. about God's judgments and God's mercies. And about two years ago, maybe some of you remember, some of you don't. I had, I had to really think, but it was about two years ago that we had studied Revelation together. Revelation is not just some mysterious book, too high for us to understand, but a book of the Bible, which is a revelation, a revealing of, we look and see at God's majesty, the exalted Lord Jesus' victory over Satan and his evil kingdom, and the Holy Spirit's presence before the throne of God, and the Holy Spirit's desire for Jesus' certain return, who says, come. You find that even in Revelation 22, uh, verse uh, seven, 17. So in Revelation 22, 17, and the Spirit and the bride, which is the church, say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. So here is that, again, the Holy Spirit even saying, come. There's this trinity that we see that is involved throughout the Bible and even in Revelation. Now the book centers on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the revealing of the exalted Lord Jesus Christ. And God is the divine source, the divine author of the book of Revelation, as of all the Bible. We had discussed the human author of Revelation, who was the Apostle John, who has been exiled on the island of Patmos. We find that in Revelation 1.9. Uh, John is speaking and he's saying, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And again, when you're thinking of John being on the island of Patmos, he wasn't exiled there and he wasn't sitting on a chase lounge with a little drink in his hand with an umbrella, just relaxing. He was exiled there pretty much to die. He was there to fend for himself. So it was not a vacation for him. He was there, pretty much left by himself by the Roman government, and they just put him there, and he was there on his own uh, to survive on his own. And again, we know the divine author of Revelation to be God himself. Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. And again, throughout Revelation especially, you see the angels that God uses to do his bidding. And there's a whole load of angels in the book of Revelation that do his bidding. 
Now again, Revelation, uh, when I spoke about this last time, about two years ago, can be broken, because again, you can think of Revelation, you can think, boom, you know, all the symbolism, and what does this mean, and what does that mean? Uh, but Revelation can be broken down mainly into three main visions that God gives to John. There is a past vision. Revelation, now John has seen this amazing vision of the exalted Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation 1, 9 through 10. This is what John says, I, John, your brothers and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. And then verses, I'll jump down to verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and girded across his breast with a golden girdle. And his head and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Matter of fact, that description of the Lord Jesus Christ is very interesting, because in the Old Testament, there is pretty much that same description of the Lord God Almighty. So again, that proving that deity of Jesus and God. And verse 15 of chapter 1, And his feet were like burnished bronze when it has been caused to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Again, interesting, throughout the Bible, we, we see that uh, Jesus and, and, uh, and the angels always are encouraging us, do not be afraid, do not fear. We see with Jesus' birth, right, with the shepherds, they were terrified of what was going on with the heavenly host. And again, they are told, do not be afraid. And we are told the same thing. When life is crazy around us, Jesus is gently, gently saying to us, do not fear, do not be afraid. Here is the same thing to John, do not fear, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, verse 18, and the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Again, what a great statement. The Lord Jesus is saying, he has the keys. In other words, he has complete ownership over death and over Hades. Like you have the keys to your car. That is your car. You have the keys to get in it. I can't get in your car. I don't have the right key. The Lord, he has the keys of hell and death. He has complete ownership of it. Then verse 19, write, therefore, the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which shall take place after these things. So John is told, write down what you see. Write down what will be presented to you in these next coming uh, visions that he will receive from the Lord. Uh, and again, interesting note, uh, John is told uh, time and time and again, 99% of the time revelation, John is told to write down what he sees, the visions that he sees. But there is an instance where he's told not to write down what he sees. Uh, and that is found in Revelation 10.4. Again, just to, I thought that was very interesting. But in Revelation 10.4, uh, these uh, peals of thunder. And when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. Again, because the Lord probably knew he wouldn't be able to handle it, <laughs> whatever these seven peals of thunder were saying. So there is that instance where John is told, do not write down what has been shown you. But most of the time, 99% of the time, John is told to write down what he sees, these visions that he sees. 
So again, we have this amazing description of the, of the exalted Lord Jesus Christ. That is his past vision, what he has just seen. And then we get to a present vision, what John is being shown. And that is, uh, he's to write to these seven churches. John chapter, uh, I mean, Revelation chapter 1, verse 11. Uh, again, he said, saying, again, he's, he's, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking to him, saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Those seven churches, that's the present vision John is sent to do. He is told to write these letters to these churches. And these letters we had gone over, that covers chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. And these letters are well-organized letters, not uh, haphazard in any way. Uh, God is the God of organization. And these letters are no different. They're well-organized. And these letters are to be written to each of these specific churches. And usually these letters have a certain form. We went over that the last time we were together in Revelation in detail, how there's a commendation and there's a certain beginning of the letter, and the letter will go through a concern or rebuke of the church that John is writing to, and then finally a, uh, a particular ending. For those uh, who have ears, let him hear. There's always that familiar ending to these letters. So that's the present vision that John is given to do. And then the future vision. That's the third part of Revelation. The future vision is given to John, and that's Revelation chapter 4, where, where it transforms on the island of Patmos, where John is at, transports to heaven. And the rest of chapter 4 of Revelation, all the way through to Revelation chapter 20, verse 21, all takes the stage of heaven and uh, what is going on in the, in the future that will happen, these future events that will affect the world as we know it, that we live in. Amazing events that will happen regarding God's judgments upon unbelievers, but yet God's continued hand of mercy reaching out to those who refuse to believe, and that we will also look at today and Lord willing, next Sunday. God is a God of justice, but he's a God of mercy. God is a God of mercy, but he is a God of justice. You can't really separate the two. That's part of God's being. A God of mercy, he's a God of justice. A God of justice, he is a God of mercy. Again, to give you a timeline, uh, with, the, with the beginnings of the seven-year tribulation, before that happens, uh, there will be the rapture. Again, the rapture, uh, a lot of, there'll, there'll be a lot of different views that you will hear on the rapture. Uh, but this view that, that, that I have seen, uh, as far as the rapture goes, there, some people say, well, the Lord's coming. There'll be signs for the Lord's coming. And then other people say, no, no, no. There's no signs for his coming. It'll be right away. It'll be instantaneous. Uh, really, both statements are right. With the rapture, again, this can be found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, this is what it says about the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's a key statement right there. That we'll meet the Lord in the air, as far as the rapture goes. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now the rapture, that'll be boom. That'll be instantaneous. That'll be a snatching up of believers. There'll be no sign for that. As far as Christ's second coming, that's different. That's when he will set his feet upon the earth. These will come 
with signs, okay? Like with the change of seasons, there are signs, right? The temperatures get colder, uh, you know, the days get shorter, the daylight hours. So we know we're, we're kind of used to seeing changes or signs. Well, uh, no different with Revelation, excuse me, but Christ's second coming, there are signs of his second coming, different than the rapture. And again, when Christ does come and the rapture after that, then the seven-year tribulation will begin. In, chapters five, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, we're going to start looking at what's called the sealed judgments. That's the first set of judgments from God upon unbelievers. So Revelation chapter 5, that's kind of where we'll start off our, our time. And verses 1 through 7, we'll again, we'll, we'll start reading. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book or scroll written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Now again, this is John talking. And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. So again, here we see John is weeping, not just like little ooh, boo, hoo, hoo. No, he, he is bawling. He, he is just weeping bitterly. Matter of fact, one commentator said that that weeping bitterly was very similar to when Peter uh, was weeping bitterly, right, when he had denied Jesus three times. That kind of weeping, it's a bitter weeping. And again, John is just so beside himself because he wants to see sin and, sin and death and evil end. He wants to see these judgments take place for God's name to be glorified. But again, it's frustrating because there's no one to find to open this book of the, the, scroll, the scroll of these seals, these seven seals. No one is found. Uh, again, it's like having a, a thing of chocolate cookies and you have no milk to drink with it, right? I mean, it's just, again, it's, just, it's a very small scale. But again, it's that, that feeling like, ah, you know, here is the scroll and John is just dismayed that no one can open it. But then we have good news in verse 5 of chapter 5. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And again, this description of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, it almost sounds like he's a space alien because he's got these seven horns and seven eyes. What does this mean, you know? Well, again, Revelation does have a lot of symbolism in it. Uh, the seven horns, again, in, in, in Bible times, that was a sign of strength and power. So you have the seven horns. The number seven, which we find in Revelation quite a bit, is a number of uh, perfection and completeness. So you see that throughout Revelation, that number seven. Seven eyes, again, means perfect understanding and knowledge. So here, again, it doesn't mean literally they have seven eyes, but seven eyes as far as that completeness of perfect knowledge and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb. And then you have the seven spirits of God. What does that mean? There's seven Casper the ghosts running around. What, what does that mean? Well, again, seven spirits of God describes the Holy Spirit in all his fullness. Uh, the Holy Spirit... Uh, is found to have these seven attributes, the seven, that number seven. So again, it's, it's the, describing the Holy Spirit. 
So here, the, the Lamb of God is, is described in this way, with the number seven, perfection and completeness. <clears throat> okay, and now we, we know now there is someone to open these seals, which he will start off with. Now again, these uh, sets of judgments are in sevens, really. There's seven seal judgments. And after that, there's the, the seven uh, trumpet judgments. And after the seven trumpet judgments, there's the seven bowl judgments. So really, uh, you have three sets of judgments, all in sevens. Seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, seven bowl judgments. Really, today, we'll probably just get past the seal judgments for today. And it all contains seven judgments each. The seventh judgment will usher in the next set of judgments. So usually, if the seventh seal is opened, that'll usher in the seven trumpet judgments. The seven trumpet judgments opened up, that'll usher in the seven bowl judgments. But again, we'll start taking a look at the seal judgments. We'll find this in Revelation chapter 6, starting with verses 1 and 2 of the first seal judgment. And I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. These first four seal of judgments we're going to look at are horses and their riders. Matter of fact, uh, some terms you'll hear of these horses are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And again, apocalypse is the final uh, destruction of the world. That's kind of what that word means. But here's these four horsemen. But one horseman comes out at a time. And the rider of this first horse, which really we'll see, it brings false peace or a deceptive peace. The rider has a bow. Notice no arrows, no really weapons. He has a bow. A crown is given to him, really, without a fight. And he has bloodless victories. He'll conquer and conquer, but he's really not going through any battles. He's just getting these victories. But it's a deceptive peace on a white horse. Now we look at verses 3 to 4 of Revelation chapter 6. And when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come! And another, a red horse, went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men should slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. So again, that, that first peace that set out, it was a very brief peace. It was a deceptive world peace. This rider on the second horse is given a sword. A rider who brings worldwide war. Advances in modern weapons would very easily bring this and horrific destruction with it. So again, this is the second rider that is riding this red horse that comes out. We come to the third seal. Again, this is found in verses 5 and 6 of Revelation chapter 6. And when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come! And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Again, what does this mean? Well, again, the rider is bringing famine. And it's almost a domino effect. The consequences from the worldwide war that's been taking place 
Food supplies are destroyed. A pair of scales, that means rationing of food because of the famine. One quart of wheat will eke a denarius. Again, what does that mean? Well, a denarius, that's a worker's salary for one day. And that would provide him himself, but really not much for his family, a one quart of wheat. Now, families that could buy three quarts of barley, which is a lower uh, quality grain, that he could get for denarius. Now, oil and wine were used in the preparation and cooking of food and would be carefully used and protected from being wasted. So that's why it's said, again, watch the oil and the wine. Those are very key ingredients to keeping and preparing and cooking of the food. That's really very slim right now it's the, because of the famine. And now we come to the fourth seal, the fourth horse. Verses 7 through 8 of chapter 6 of Revelation. And when he broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come! And I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. And authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. Again, the horse is ashen. That's a sickly, pale, yellow, green color. Much like a de decomposing corpse, that kind of color. Death is the rider of this horse. They will be allowed to kill a fourth of the world's population, which in today's estimate, and again, these numbers are staggering, would be 1.5 billion deaths. War, famine, disease, uh, wild beasts of the earth could possibly these wild beasts of the earth, for some commentators say, could possibly be rats, which are known to spread disease like the bubonic plague in Europe. Again, interesting rat fact uh, from Google, I kind of looked this up. Rats can have as many as 20 babies at a time. So you can see how proliferant, how <laughs> the rat population can very easily take over with all the filth, with all the uh, carnage that's going on, and the waste and disease, and the carriers of disease. Now we come to the fifth seal. The fifth seal now shifts from the horses. And this is the fifth seal. Uh, chap uh, Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11. And when he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, wilt thou refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Usually that term, on those who dwell on the earth, refers to unbelievers, those who dwell on the earth. And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, should be completed also. So there's going to be more martyred saints that will join these saints here under the uh, altar. So that's to verse 11. So again, here we see this divine judgment from God is asked upon behalf of believers who had maintained their faith and testimony and had been killed for it. And again, if you are a Christian during this great tribulation, especially at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation when the Antichrist comes, the beast, again, uh, you'll be targeted to be killed. You'll have a target on you. Because the Antichrist will only want himself to be worshipped and no one else. So again, there's this outcrying from the saints that are within the altar. How long, O oh Lord? And again, it's not only vengeance on their part as far as the part of they want the Lord's name to be avenged. They want the Lord's name to be honored. They want his judgments to come. And now we come to the sixth seal. 
That's found in verses 12 to 17 of chapter 6. And I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the saw of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it was rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? <coughs> so again, this massive earthquake comes with the breaking of the sixth seal. And occurs, and occurs that will shake and not only the earth, but the heavens as well. This is an earthquake like no one has ever seen before. The sun will turn black. And again, possibly that could be from volcanic activity even. Unbelievers are talking to the rocks and mountains, but not to the living God who created them. So we see still uh, stubbornness as far as unbelievers not repenting. We see this, unfortunately, and sadly enough, throughout Revelation. But there is good news, because uh, throughout the site, God's severe judgments, we do see God's hand of mercy. We're going to talk about the 144,000 witnesses from Israel. They will be sealed and protected from harm during God's judgments. 12,000 will be from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's said from different Bible scholars, these people will be the greatest missionary force the world has ever seen. And it's pointing, they'll be pointing people to the one true God. We'll also see Revelation 7, 1 through 3, it says also another of God's mercies. And then we'll get to the description of these 144,000 witnesses. But there, there is these angels that God sends as well. But in Revelation 7, 1 through 3, it says this, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea or in any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. And this is referring to the 144,000 witnesses that no harm was to come to them until they were sealed by the living God. Because in this time of tribulation, the beast will mark his followers with the mark, but God will faithfully mark his followers with his mark. The mark of God, the seal of protection. Now, Revelation, we're going to jump to Revelation 14, 1 through 11, and we're going to just see the description of these 144,000 witnesses. So Revelation 14, and we'll start with verse 1. And I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn the song except 
the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been purchased from among men as first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouth. They are blameless, though they're beyond reproach. These 144,000, they're not perfect, but they are blameless. They're beyond reproach. <coughs> and they'll follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And I saw another angel flying in the mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and springs of water. So again, we have this description of the 144,000 witnesses will be so effective as missionaries reaching to all tribes and nations pointing people to Christ. That's one of God's mercies. You see these three angels that we'll look at. These are also part of God's mercies. The one is spreading an eternal gospel. He's preaching it through the sky. And that we're, uh, I find it interesting too in verse 7 of that about this angel. He's saying, Fear God and give Him glory because the hour of His judgment has come and, uh, and worship Him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the springs of waters. My wife and me were... Uh, Last week, we were whale watching. So we went out of the port of uh, Freeport. But again, just a small glimpse of God's beauty where these beautiful creatures, you could see them like they come up out of the water and down, and little you know, the spouts of water would come up. But just a, a brief glimpse of just God's beauty and creation. But here, here we are told, worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the springs of waters. Now another angel was sent. A second one followed, saying in verse 8, of chapter 14. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Again, Babylon. Babylon is the Antichrist's evil empire. And this, emp this empire has deceived so many people. And the angel is pronouncing judgment upon them, warning them that judgment will come to this empire. And then we see a third angel in verse 9 of chapter 14. And another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, and then verse 10, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. So again, the third angel has a warning of damnation to those who worship and follow the beast. He is warning people, do not follow him. Follow the one true God. And also in Revelation chapter 7, we see this joyous celebration to those who know Christ. The celebration is occurring in heaven where this is after the 144,000 witnesses are introduced. This is uh, Revelation 7, 9 through 12. So we'll go backtrack a little bit. Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After these things, usually after these things, when you hear that, after these things, it's talking about another vision which is being presented to John. <coughs> after these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count 
from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches, were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So there's this glorious celebration going on in heaven. And to me, it gives me a new picture of Palm Sunday, right? Palm Sunday, you see the palms, right? And how Jesus uh, very meekly comes in, humbly comes in on a donkey. But here, someday, this celebration will go on where the Lord will be rightly the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will be worshipped by every tribe, people, and nation, but people who hold palm branches in their hands. I think that's just so neat. Again, it gives you a different perspective on Palm Sunday when that comes around. Well, now we come to the seventh seal. So we're now back to God's judgments. And that can be found in Revelation 8, 1 through 2, the seventh seal. So here the exalted Lord Jesus Christ, he is now going to open or break the seventh seal. And when he broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. So the seventh seal is broken. And again, that will usher in now the seven trumpet judgments. So once the seventh seal is broken, again, there is silence in heaven for half an hour. Now in chapter 4, which Lord willing, I'm hoping to read next week. Chapter 4, heaven is a very loud place. Uh, there is a powerful earthquakes in heaven. Cries of the martyrs. Angels with loud voices shouting. Sounds and peals and thunder, right? You hear, ba-boom! Right? You, you think of a Long Island thunderstorm, right? Which will shake the house sometimes when you get a good thunderstorm like that. Well, again, heaven, there's lots of noise. But then it's dead silent for half an hour once that seventh seal is broken. There's this ominous silence. This ominous awe fills heaven for what God will do next with his judgments. The seventh seal being broken <coughs> will now usher in with more fury and scope of destruction with the seven trumpet judgments. And we're going to start off reading that in Revelation 8, 3-6. to Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and he filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. And we're going to stop there. Lord willing, next Sunday we are going to continue our time together in Revelation with part two of God's judgments. We'll also see God's mercies as well. So we're going to continue with the trumpet judgments, Lord willing, next Sunday, as well as the bold judgments. But we'll also see God's mercies intermixed with that as well. Uh, again, one of God's mercies that, I'm gonna, uh, that we're going to see today is the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table that we're going to see. And that as believers, 
we'll have the privilege of assembling around the Lord's table to take communion today. But I'm going to finish in prayer, and then we'll get our hearts set for communion. Lord, I do thank you for being such a gracious God. Lord, you are a God of judgment, but thank you, Lord, that you're also a God of mercy. And not that we deserve your mercy, Lord, but again, we thank you for it. And we thank you for these judgments that are staggering and, and awesome in our minds. Yet even that, Lord, through your divine wrath, you're using that to draw people to you, even in these end times, Lord, in the near future, perhaps. So, Lord, Lord, we, we give this time to you and our hearts to you as we'll be prepared to take communion. Amen.